Welcome back, folks, um, to the What Is She Up To Now podcast with me, Laura McKechnie. Um, thank you so much for listening so far, and hopefully you've enjoyed episode one, and we can only get better. So, um, on today's episode, we have Anne Forrest. Anne is the owner and operator of Equestrian Imports, um, which is based in Sarasota, Florida, USA. Anne emigrated over to the US at the age of 18, and having recently just celebrated a very big birthday, um, she's never looked back. She goes on to discuss about her business, how she got to where she is. Um, she also gives us some helpful advice and insight. Not only is she a guest, obviously, of the podcast, but she is William's aunt. So we have gained a lot of valuable um, life and business um, advice from her. So enjoy! Um, so Anne, where did it all begin for you um, and how did you get started in your business? Well, basically I was in Florida and I was training dressage horses and traveling back and forth to the UK to see my family. And many people in the US or in our local area would say to me, can you bring back a saddle? Can you bring back a bridle? Um, different equestrian products. And I would trail them back home to Florida, to Sarasota, mm -hmm. and uh, I would give them the goods. Yes. But I didn't really, I just charged them whatever it cost me. So one day my dad said to me, do you really think this is a good idea? Don't you think maybe you should start a business of your own and you could, um, you could sell these products? You could come back to the UK, you could purchase them, you could take them to the US and you could sell them. You could make a profit. And he says to me, so do you really want to ride eight horses a day in this Florida heat when you're 50? And I thought, 50? It's a long time before I'm going to be 50, Dad. Yeah. Anyway, a few months rolls down the road or maybe a year or so later and uh, things got kind of tough around the farm and life wasn't too easy. And I thought more and more about what Dad said. It was hotter and hotter and maybe... Maybe he had an idea, and he had also mentioned that he had access to saddle manufacturers. Maybe I could learn how to properly fit saddles. Um, maybe I could learn how to flock saddles and fit them. So I said, maybe that's a good idea. So I ended up coming back to the UK, learning how to fit and flock a saddle, mm -hmm. and started with six saddles in my garage okay. in Florida. Yep. And that was in 1990. Uh -huh. And I kept the... I, so I was training horses and fitting saddles at the same time. Did that for a few more years. And then decided, I think this might be a much easier way to make a living than training and riding horses. So I started Equestrian Imports. And here we are. Uh, what are we now? 33 years later? Long time. Yeah, very long and, time. Yep, yep. And yep, business has been very successful for me. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, that's how I got that's started. started. So, just at the start there, you said that um, you're obviously based in Florida. How did you get to Florida? So, I emigrated to Florida with um, another family. Mm -hmm. I actually uh, was engaged and married mm -hmm. to a young man from Kerluk. And came back, went to Scotland with his family in October the 3rd of 1983. 
and uh, came back to Scotland in June of 84 and we were married mm-hmm. and went back to Florida and that's where we, that's how I ended up in Florida. And yep. his family went to Sarasota. They had friends in Sarasota, so that's why they were drawn to that to region yep. of uh-huh. the US. And lucky for me, I liked it there. Uh-huh. Uh, marriage didn't work out, but anyway, uh, Nine years later, I was divorced and never looked back. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, continued on the path I was going on, and yeah, it's been it's been a good life. It's been a good life. So, as you're saying, you um, started off maybe sort of flocking your own saddles, fitting your own saddles. Has that sort of aspect of the business changed? Do you still flock your own saddles? Well. Actually, I can still flog my own saddles, but uh-huh. I really don't do much of that myself now. Mm-hmm. So I have a partner in my life, John, who owns a company called Saddleworks. Okay, yep. And he actually does the flocking. So yep. we tend to say that I tend to be the person that diagnoses the problem. Uh-huh. And then I say to John, can you fix this? Uh-huh. This is what I need. And he says, okay, I'll fix that for you. So yeah. And how does that partnership work? That's one of the sort of questions that William and I spoke about last week, and it's something that we'll go on to discuss. Um, if you, when you're working with a loved one, how how's that dynamic for you two? Have to be very careful. Let's say <laughs> that. So when John first came to me, so uh, let me think. So this will be seventeen years ago now, I think. Wow. Uh, John wasn't we were have probably been together for almost 20 years now but anyway a few years into the relationship he had said you know I'm not very happy with what I'm doing yep. I don't like my job and we had gone to see a friend that was a master saddler in South Carolina actually oh, wow. and John said to me when we returned from there he said you know I think I could do that job I think that would be really cool. I would like to do that. Of course, my eyes lit up because I'm thinking that would be amazing. That would mean I would have an in-house saddler. How cool would that be? Uh So back then, I actually did my own work on the saddle so Mm -hmm. I could do the flocking. I could do minor repairs. Yes. But I couldn't do what a master saddler could do. If I needed that work done, I sent that work to... The same friend that we're talking about, David oh, Young, Carolina. who was in South Carolina. Right. I sent David the work and he would send it back to me. But as saddlers are known to be, it's difficult to know exactly how long it's going to take them okay. to do something and when it might be back. So when I thought I might have the potential to have someone in-house, I found that to be really exciting. Yes. So it kind of started off with, um, well, let's call David and see what he says. So I called David and I asked him, would you, would you be interested in teaching someone your profession or your craft? craft yep. And he said, well, I'll tell you two things that have to happen. One, I have to like them. And two, they have to have some talent because mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to just teach anyone yes, that I have to know they'll be good at the job. So I was like, okay. So I hung up the phone and I said to John, I reiterated these things to John. So I said, what do you think? So he said, I think I can do it. I want to, I want to try. Mm-hmm. So he took a week off his job and he went to South Carolina. And within three days, David called me back and he says, Did he pass the test? Well, first <laughs> of all, 
he is so nice. I really like him. So I have no problem you know, uh-huh. with oh, his personality. He's fabulous. Yep. So I was like, mm, okay, check. So then he <laughs> said, um, I said, so do you think he can do the job? And he said, do I think he can do the job? He's amazing. He has fabulous talent. There's no problem at all. 100% I can teach him. Mm-hmm. Okay, how long is that going to take? I need six months. So okay. we said, okay, all right, fabulous. So John continued, finished his week with David, mm-hmm. came home, handed his notice in at his job. Wow. From, and he had been at that job oh, a long time, maybe uh, 15, 16 years. I'm not yep. quite sure now how long, but it was a, a long well, time yes. job. So he quit his job and gave his notice and uh, went to see David and spent six months with him. So that's how that's how that happened. So so then he so he so the one thing John did say to me. So when he came back, I said to him, "So you can just come work for me. You can just mm-hmm. work for Equestrian Imports." Yes. And John says to me, "No, no, no, no. That won't work." Uh-huh. And I was like, "What, what do, you mean? do you what do you mean that uh-huh. won't work?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, he said, "Well, I'll tell you what." He said, "I'll start my own company uh-huh. and I'll subcontract." my you can subcontract me to do your yes. work uh-huh. that way you can't control me and you're not going to tell me what to do yes and I thought oh interesting uh, yeah yeah so yep that's how that's how we um we started uh-huh. and then uh we in the beginning John had a shop that was it's still attached to to the building we're all still in one building yes. now but John's shop was kind of in earshot of me like I could shout through the wall practically and he could hear yeah, me yeah, uh-huh. so yeah we done that for a while and he had a very small space and and we managed to begin with but then we realized we really needed a little bit of space yes so now John has a much bigger shop on one Great. end of the building uh-huh. and I'm on the other end okay. of the building and that's probably why we get along so well yes we have two completely different jobs. I basically just say, this is what I need. This is what needs to be done. Uh-huh. And there are some rules, you know, you can't just demand when you want things done, uh-huh. much as sometimes I do. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it, it can be challenging at uh-huh. times. And we try hard not to talk too much at home about work. Yes. Uh-huh. When, we, when we're at work, we talk about work. And then when we leave to go home, yeah. we try to have um, a different life or a more private life at home. That is something that we are trying to do is just like during working hours, uh, yeah, work, but then at home, try not to. It's maybe a little bit different, I think, for us because it's quite like new and in its infancy, whereas you guys would maybe have a bit more experience and hopefully that, yeah, it'll just be working working hours and then yes. home life is home it's life. It's a good idea to, to separate the two. Yes, uh-huh. And we found, I know when I started my business, I started in the house. Like uh-huh. the saddles were in the garage and I made a bedroom an office. Uh-huh. And it was like that the first few years. And then eventually we renovated our farm and renovated the barn and now yep. I actually walk a hundred steps to uh-huh. work. Oh, that's handy. And it actually, to me, made a huge difference to mm-hmm. leave the home and go to work. Yes. Even although it's on the same five acres, but it was it's different because when you close that door, when I close that door at the office, yes. I try very hard not to take that home. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure John, I know John pretty much does the, the same, same thing. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, you made the comment earlier on about how saddle fitters can take some time. Do you get any sort of preferential treatment there or do you have to wait as well? Well, <laughs> um, I can't say I don't get preferential treatment. <laughs> <laughs> yep, if I have someone, a client that is there standing on the premises uh-huh. and I need a saddle adjusted, Yep, it does get done get for done. someone uh-huh. else that's sent it in from <laughs> yes. outside. So I do have that. I definitely have that um, that exception to the rule. Uh-huh. So yeah. yeah, sometimes I do. Um, so just, there's a few wee questions here. Um, have you ever had to make anything like a serious decision in your time in business? Something quite serious and difficult to make a decision regarding the business? That's a good question. Whether it be um, about the products you sell or um, staffing or yeah, anything that's you thought, oh goodness, that was that was a really hard decision to make. Wow, <laughs> I'm like thinking here. So, what has been difficult for me? Um, or something you're like, oh, I hope to never have to do that ever that again. really say that I've had had that experience mm-hmm. um, I grew my business very slowly uh-huh. and I was very methodical about how much stock I would carry yes I took out or almost had no debt um, and I just you know would buy more as I as I had more yeah. money I would buy more stock as I had more money and would grow, I would have another person come on board with me. Um, uh, you'd have to buy new truck, new trailer, new things that we needed uh-huh. to run the business. But I can't say I've ever really had something in my business that was incredibly difficult that I wouldn't endure again. Uh Yes, obviously, there's lots of things I would prefer not to have to do. Like, I don't really want to have to go and sit at a show and wait for somebody to come and talk to me now. I have the luxury that Mm -hmm. the phone keeps ringing. Oh, that's good, Um, People keep calling. You know, people want us to come or want to come and see me. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to do those things. For me, those things were hard. Cold calling was hard. Um, Trying... I, I do think that trying to get your own brand out is mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah. Those things I found hard. But I, I never really had a, a huge decision to make mm-hmm. that was difficult. I, I was very fortunate. Yeah. In terms of the, you were saying about getting your brand out, that was quite hard. What, what would any advice to people who were setting up a brand, for example, or other business, how would you recommend them? getting word out about their business what should they be should they be doing do you think obviously times have sort of times have changed changed, if you go back 30 years when I started to today um things are really different yes so it's hard for me to say what would I recommend I do know you have to get in front of people yes and you have to shake every person's hand the more people's hands you can shake and the more people you can meet yes the better off you are Uh because so so therefore that brings you back to social media brings you back to tiktok to all these things that people see you because Mm -hmm. 
that's how that's how you get a brand on yeah. the market people have to see you people have to try it allow people to try things mm -hmm. if, you, if you can try to have samples that people can test because for me that's how we are able to sell saddles because yes. i allow people to try a saddle uh -huh. so they so i know that doesn't work for all types of equipment mm -hmm. but if you have something you're really trying to market and trying to push let somebody try it. Yes. it if it can sell itself mm -hmm. for me i always bought and sold product that pretty much sold itself yes if someone rode in it and if it was fitted to the horse properly, yep. chances are the horse was going to go really well. The rider was going to love the way it felt. The product was sold. Yeah. I didn't really have to sell things. Yes. I just had to, I had to know how to fit them in order for them to sell. Yeah. So if I was going to say, how do you market yourself? You market yourself so that you, mar you market the product yes. so that the product sells itself. Mm -hmm. So find the market for that product yeah. and let it sell itself. We've definitely found that with as the viewers, listeners will see the this larger bucket that's sitting beside us. We took a smaller one um, out in demo and then, then made the sale because it was out there in front of the customer and you can talk to them about it and show them actually what it what it does. Whereas if you're just, I think, on the phone to them explaining this, you don't get the same reaction for the customer or you can, like, how they're feeling about it to then steer them in a yes. sort of direction. Mm -hmm. Um, for your product so definitely that was good that's the first time you've ever done a demo and I think it was well it was obviously successful because a the customer then ended up buying yes. the bucket from us which is obviously great so it's maybe something that we maybe start to do more of as well as maybe sort of demos and when we we spoke last week about how this facility that we're in is storage for practically everything it's now a podcast it's, it's everything in here um, but when we eventually do get a larger space um, to have like a demo sort of area that customers potential customers coming up and actually see the products working from themselves i think it would be absolutely fantastic that would be yeah. for me a huge um step forward yeah because for us um that was a huge part of how we sold product yes. was because we were willing to to figure out what the client needed mm -hmm. figure out what would fit the horse what would fit the rider let them test it not mm -hmm. just test it we have a facility where they can come in and test the saddles uh -huh. but we would even tell them take the saddle home and test it with your mm -hmm. trader make sure your trainer's happy with it make sure you and your horse are happy with it at home yes and it was huge for us because once they could take it home and they were under no pressure to buy uh-huh it basically sold itself uh-huh yeah, and do you still offer that service? Yep, still yeah. offer that service 30 years later. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's great. Three things that you have learned from your business, whether it be business-related or personal, anything that you've learned about yourself by running your business for 30-plus years? Patience. <laughs> and everyone that knows me thinks I have no patience. But believe me, I have learned to have patience. Yes. Because you have to be patient. Yeah. You have to put everything in place and then wait mm -hmm. and, and be patient. That's one huge yes, thing. Difficult so right patience now. <laughs> patience is a virtue. Yeah. A huge thing I learned when employing additional team members mm -hmm. i never think of someone as working for me mm -hmm. i think of them as a team yep. and as working as a team together yep. the most important thing i can tell you to learn is learn to say thank you yeah oh. and learn to appreciate 
the people that are on your team. Yeah. Because I can 100% share with you, I would not be where I am today without the team yeah. that I have had. And I have a girl working with me that worked with me back, if I started in 90, probably 93, 94, uh-huh. this girl came to work for me or came to work with me. Mm-hmm. And she, I, I said to her, you know, what, what is it you need? And we were talking about finances and we were talking just about different things. And the one thing she said to me when I said, what, what do you need? And she said, I need you to appreciate me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, well, isn't that interesting? Yep. Now, 30 years later, so that same girl continued to work for me or with me again for six or seven years and uh-huh. then went on to do a much bigger career and has since then raised her family, mm-hmm. had her own career and actually has now come back on board with okay. us. Yep. And it's amazing mm-hmm. because the whole time she was there, left and came back, I have never forgotten what to tell said. everyone that works on that team, yeah. thank you. That's something I think you've passed on to your nephew. So to give the listeners a bit of context, Anne is actually my, as William's aunt, Anne, um, and she's our first proper guest because we obviously had William on last week, but it's my pro- first proper guest and William always says um I, f- I spoke about it last last episode right at the start I found it quite difficult for William kept saying it's our business it's our business I found that quite difficult because he started it and he was there right from the beginning whereas then I've just sort of got on board but never once has he said to me oh Laura works for me it's Laura works with me like and he's very and he'll correct anybody that does say that like, oh, Laura works for you. And then he's like, no, Laura, Laura works. That's quite a tongue twister. <laughs> Laura works with me. So, yeah, I think aye, that is quite important. And now starting to think of it as it's, it's our business. It, it's it's taken a long while for me to to compute that, to be honest. But we're getting there. But no, definitely. And William, I've, I've heard him, the way he speaks to people um, and customers and clients. It's always thank you. And it's anything that does any work for us, it's the exact exact same and I think that makes a huge difference to that person like to actually make them feel appreciated because I've had experience working in different industries retail education different and just for people to appreciate like feel appreciated and respected I think is a huge thing because internally you'll get better work from them yes 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 and yeah and it can only be a good thing for both both sides I can almost say you can never say it too much no you can never say thank you is such a simple two words yes and it's powerful it's impacting 100 percent um i definitely learned that so Mm -hmm. patience and always say thank you i think are two huge things um and i do have to say as well that for me um my dad was actually quite a big influence Uh in my career and it's particularly in the beginning because he was a very good listener yes he was a very good listener so I think that's something else if you can learn to be a good listener so I feel like I hope that I am what my dad was for me I hope I'm that for William because and for Laura because I for you Laura but I hope that I listen because I think that's very important and my dad like I said my dad was a great listener like he would 
listen and he never really judged if I said, no, I don't want to listen to that. He didn't judge that. Mm -hmm. He just said, okay. And he always, my dad actually had some really good ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know sometimes, you know, parents tell you things and you think, oh, I'm not listening to that. But again, just try to listen. Mm -hmm. And as we listen, maybe we we hear some things that that are quite a good idea. So uh yeah. Listening, listening is um, is another yeah. huge thing as well. I like the thing our friend Edward, who's almost like Anne's adopted nephew, uh-huh. um, and I think we'll probably get him on the podcast. He's currently he is. He's just got a new title, is he not? Superintendent. Superintendent for, from for International Aberdeen. In Aberdeen, and yep. they currently have a tournament one just now, so he's been working really hard. But he's always said that to about shaking. You can't shake enough hands. Mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely true for him. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that he knows and places he's seen due to just shaking hands with people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I think that's definitely something that we can learn too, to like, yeah, shake more hands. Yep. Because it's worked for him, by goodness. Yep, absolutely. He's an interesting fellow. I think you'll get to hear him. We'll have him on at some point. I think point. he would be great to oh do on goodness, a podcast. Yeah. He's also another lovely young man. Oh, he is very lovely. Yeah. Yeah, no, he is. <laughs> um, if there was one piece of advice you were to give Andy that's starting out in a business, it doesn't need to be in the equation industry. It could be anywhere. What would, just the one piece of advice. It sort of ties in with what you've obviously just said, but the one thing. Well... I would do the three things I just said. Yep, yep. Have patience, say thank you, listen, and listen. Yeah, I, I can't. I think it's three huge pieces of information yeah, uh-huh. that make a huge difference yep. when you're starting a new company. Um, if you, if you were twenty years old again, or just like before you're going to Florida, and you knew what you you know now, would you still be in the same industry? Would you still be selling saddles? That's very interesting, actually. The one, there is one thing in my life, if I had to go back to being 20. I'm hoping it's the thing that you told me before, but I don't I, know. I would, I would go to university. Uh-huh. I would have gone to university. Okay. And I did not go to university. Um, I would go to university. Uh-huh. And I probably may have tried to go down the photography route. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I would, but I definitely would have gone to university mm-hmm. yeah um so then sometimes people will say to me well what would that have done how would it have be yeah. would would your life be different if you had gone to university yeah yes yeah, so it probably would have been different because I probably would have taken some a other path, path a completely yeah. different path would I change the path I've taken mm-hmm. absolutely not no absolutely not I am thrilled with where I am in my life uh-huh. with the path I have taken Yes, did I have a few struggles along the way? Yes, but in general, I'm very happy with where yep. my life has taken me. Mm-hmm. But that is one thing I would like to have done. I would, I do wish I had gotten an education. But would you? Just, could you go and do it now? Absolutely. <laughs> they say I could. I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure I can remember. <laughs> I, I think it might have been easier if I'd done it when I was 19. They say yeah. that you remember things easier. Oh, 100%. Now I'm not sure I remember things every day. I have to write more things down. So yes, could you do it? Yes. Yes, you could. So mm-hmm. who knows? That's maybe maybe a challenge. I will. There's a challenge. Maybe I will do that. 
Um, also, folks, Anne has recently came back from a trip to Uganda. She was celebrating a big birthday. Birthday. I mean, if you want to tell the listeners. Because this is recorded, because I, I don't think you look your age. But. did have. I did. <laughs> I just turned 60. Oh, my goodness. It's simply <laughs> just a number. It's just a number. And, uh, well, it is, because then you're talking we about have university. To, you could still go and yes, do it. There's no age limit. There's age no age limit. Right, nope. exactly. I um, have loved to travel. Mm-hmm. I basically, I think actually... I probably work so I can travel and play golf. Yeah. Those are my two, travel, play golf, and take photographs. So uh-huh. I've got more passions than I thought I had. <laughs> you know, I sort of think, oh, I guess quite a simple life or whatever. But no, I absolutely love, I love to take photographs. Mm-hmm. I love to travel and I love to play golf. So Uganda. So I was fortunate enough. I decided before I was 50, I wanted to have traveled to all seven continents, and that I did. Wow. So that was very exciting. And then, of course, with COVID, things quietened down a little bit. We weren't able to travel yep. at all. Mm-hmm. So I had to have a two, two and a half, three-year sabbatical from traveling. Okay. Uh-huh. So that was kind of hitting the head. Anyway, I was turning 60 this August, and I thought, well... I really want to do something really amazing for my birthday. Yeah. And last year, I saw a friend actually at our club that had gone. He didn't go to Uganda, but he went to trek with the gorillas in Rwanda. Wow. And I saw some pictures and I was in awe. I thought, I have to do that. I have to take those pictures. I just have to do that. I have to take these pictures. That looks amazing. So I've always been one of these people when I tell you, when I see something and I want to do it, I really truly believe you just have to dream that you want to do it yep. and the dream comes It'll into happen. reality. Yep, yep, and yep. I don't know if me thinking about dreaming and reality all just happens. Manifest, it yeah. manifests. So yep. I'm a big dreamer and I thought, right, I'm going. that's it. I'm doing that. So as soon as I said I'm doing that, yep. I contacted the person that had gone and I said, who did you go with? Which company? Started to research that. Ended up, I didn't go with that company, mm-hmm. but talked to numerous different people, figured out how I wanted to go and planned the trip. So we started off, um, we went to uh, uh, Cotter, to Doha. We stayed there a couple of days. Then we went to uh, Uganda, to Entebbe, mm-hmm. and traveled first to see the chimpanzees in Kabali National Park. And that was actually amazing as well. Wow. Then we went from there to the Bawandi Impenetrable Forest mm-hmm. down further in the south. And it was incredible. It was incredible. The gorillas were amazing. We were maybe 10 meters from them. It was unbelievable. Wow. Great experience. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, fabulous trip. Uh-huh. So lots of other animals on the way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting, the Bawandi impenetrable forest is an amazing story because mm-hmm. the people around that area originally they th- there was a real problem in there with the gorillas because okay. they 
kept coming on to everyone's property and no one wanted them there. Oh, right. And they eventually figured out a way to keep them back in the forest. So they, they developed tea plantations and the okay. gorillas don't like tea. Oh, they don't? They don't like the tea. They don't oh. like the shrub, the tea plant. So uh-huh. the tea plant is planted all around this forest uh-huh. as a boundary. And oh, they wow. tend not to not come out uh-huh. past the tea plants yep. as much as they did in the past. Mm-hmm. And they also, there were people that lived in the forest. So they encouraged, there was, back in the 90s, early 90s, there was a plan put in place to try and have the people come out of the forest uh-huh. and leave the forest for the gorillas okay. and try and set up these people in villages um, so that the, the gorillas could, they, the they could be in the forest on yep. their own. Because they had gone as low as like 300 gorillas. Okay. So now the, the number of gorillas are way up to about 650 or close to 700. Okay. Like it's been a, an unbelievable project yep. that happened there. So we learned about that when we were there. And that's still ongoing. That's still ongoing. Okay. It's absolutely amazing. So by us going to see the gorillas, we are paying day permits okay. to see them. And that money is being used to help these villages okay. around. Uh-huh. It's actually amazing. It's an amazing story. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so we did that. Then we went, um, we saw some other animals further on in uh, Queen Elizabeth National Park. Okay. Uh, we saw, you know, elephants and oh, wow. zebras and nice. lots of waterbuck, uh, lots of fish eagles, lots of birds. Mm-hmm. Saw the shoebill. So that was amazing because I'm yep. a big bird watcher too. Yes. My goodness, there's something else I like <laughs> to do. And I wondered what I'd do if I retired. I think I've got plenty I to do. I think you've got plenty to do. So, yeah, so yes, it was in all an absolutely amazing, amazing. adventure. Yeah. Um, you have another trip coming up fairly soon not the golf one yep that's yeah that's really exciting for all you golfers out there yep. we'll get on to that but the other trip yep um so i am in scotland obviously with my family at the moment uh-huh. had a wonderful two weeks and a great 60th birthday celebration here a very quick two weeks yes it was amazing <laughs> absolutely fantastic so we actually go from here and we're going to ireland mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks and i'll skip that and maybe come back to it but from there, uh, on the 6th of September, we go to, um, well, we start in, we go Dublin to Istanbul. Okay. For a couple of days in Istanbul. And then we go to uh, Bishkek, which is, we start a trip to do three weeks through the five stands. Wow. So we do um, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, and Tajikistan. Okay. So, which is absolutely amazing. So, it's like, it's Central Asia, uh-huh. but the old Soviet Union is where oh, that right, was okay. the old Soviet Union before uh-huh. it became independent. Right. So, we're doing all five of those countries. So, we'll travel part of the Silk Road. So, I, oh, wow. have, I think that'll be very exciting. Yeah, exciting, yeah. Uh, lots of history, lots of um, landscape to see, lakes and mountains. Lovely. Supposed to be absolutely beautiful. So, really looking forward to it. Yes. So, yeah. Um, what will you photograph there? If, do you have a, a favourite subject matter to photograph or 
anything actually goes. I do have a favorite uh-huh. people are actually my favorite uh-huh. I like to do people I particularly like to do tribal people okay so I love to do or not even Native. maybe tribal people but people who don't look like me people that look different that are uh-huh. not western looking uh-huh. that wear maybe a national costume and that's yes. what they wear every day yeah I, I like I like to do that. So yes, my favorite is my favorite people. Of course, I like wildlife. I Uh like to do wildlife. Love to do birds. Yes. Um, I'm not so big in landscape, but thankfully my partner John quite likes landscape. (laughs) So when we are traveling, he tends to do the landscape and I tend to do people and animals. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, I quite like photography as well, but not not to the same, I don't think, level. Uh, Yeah, I need to get more time to actually... That's another very time-consuming yeah. um, hobby. <laughs> and it's not time-consuming taking them necessarily. No, it's what you do with them. It's what you do with them. Oh, uh-huh. It's looking through all these photographs and what are you going to do with them? So, yes, that's a whole other mm-hmm. level of... Uh-huh. Have you ever combined... Have you ever like taken horse pictures? You know, that's really funny. No. Hmm. Now, how strange is that? Uh-huh. And I say no... I take horse pictures for work. For your work, yeah. Because I have to take a picture off the horse yes. with no saddle on so that I can look at the structure mm-hmm. and determine the shape of the saddle for the back. Uh-huh. But I don't consider that, for me, I don't consider that photography. No. I just consider work. that that's work. Yeah. That's part of my job. Uh-huh. But I have never, um, somehow never had the interest to photograph um horses showing or no no so i find that that's kind of odd i've never really thought about it until uh-huh. you mentioned do i photograph horses no i don't <laughs> if i see them in the wild maybe yes yeah, yeah uh-huh. but no i don't tend to do domestic uh-huh. like that and i don't do domestic dogs either like dogs cats horses i don't seem to do domestic pets i guess i guess i like the challenge of catching a bird in flight oh, yes or a gorilla in the wild. Well, yeah, that's a challenge. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that must be that must be what I I, I know. To literally, just that you're saying there about um, not taking pictures of dogs and things. We literally could have had you take pictures of Woody yeah. this past two weeks, and we've not done anything. We've well, not done it. No. Yeah. So another it's time. Odd. I just yeah. yeah, we should do that another time. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just going back, we spoke a little bit about obviously the business and things, and we're sort of jumping to and fro but it's all very new. We're all very new to this. Um, why horses? Why why did you go down that route? Now, obviously, you went to America. That's a very good question. So we went to America. How did I even get started? How did I... Were you interested in horses yes, as a child? Yes, yes. Rode all my life. So from the time I was three, wow. I had my grandfather on my mum's side. Uh-huh. He introduced me to horses and bought me a little grey Arab pony. Uh-huh. Yep. And then I had multiple horses throughout my life. Uh-huh. My dad was very keen on horses right, and okay. we had a riding stable. Mm-hmm. So I would spend a lot of time with him. Yeah. Like he would be the one that would take me to shows. I don't think mum liked to go. She was <laughs> a bit nervous, I think, when we uh-huh. were showing or particularly jumping because I liked to do eventing when uh-huh. I was younger and I liked to do what we call stadium jumping in the US, but I think they just call it show jumping in okay. Britain. Yeah. Anyway, I like to do that and it was it's always a little scarier, I mm-hmm. think, when you're probably when your daughter's flying over these four foot fences. So I always, so yes, I've always been interested in horses and not really until 
later in life did I get more involved with dressage. Uh So I had jumping horses. Dad had horses, had stables. So he bought and sold horses out of Ireland. And I was always the guinea pig that got chucked on these young horses (laughs) um, and told... You, you know, go. go ride it, go ride it. Uh-huh. And if it was a bucking bronco, oh well, learn to stay on it, off you go. You'll right, be fine. Okay. So I tended to get all the difficult horses to ride mm-hmm. and uh, was obviously a very good rider and able to stay on. Mm-hmm. So, and broke horses with dad and yeah, like really young colts uh-huh. and fillies and things like that. So wow. so learned a lot from, and dad actually, funnily enough, dad didn't ride. Dad okay. really, he I think I'd maybe seen him on a horse once or twice, but he really wasn't, an avid rider, yes. but he had a keen eye and sort of knew what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. And I had a lot of education from trainers that came to the farm. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of background right, okay. in riding. So yeah. when I went to Florida, um, I, I, don't, I don't 100% know how I ended up down that path. Mm-hmm. And maybe I, I think maybe I met some people that had horses and thought, mm, maybe I should do something with horses. Yes. I, I sort of just stumbled upon it or stumbled into it but Uh again I had a background of horses when I was in in Scotland did you compete in the states as well yes I did Mm -hmm. competed through Grand Prix level dressage Mm -hmm. Um, I did a little bit of eventing but really I was more involved with dressage horses than jumping horses Mm -hmm. yep and competed all over the state of Florida yeah yep Wellington and Ocala and yeah well Mm -hmm. Ocala's quite if AMD's been any listeners has been a Myself and my friends were out visiting Anne last year and we went to the World Equestrian Centre. Oh yes. my goodness. It's absolutely it's amazing. Beautiful. Oh, it's, it's huge. Unbelievable. Oh, yes. Huge facility. Massive. Yep. It's only getting bigger because yes. at the time we were there, they were um, extending their um, their arenas, stalls. Their stalls. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Huge. I think they can take, I'm not sure what the number is now, but I know they could take up to 3,000 horses. Oh my goodness. They could house at one yes. all, and a lot of them are all air-conditioned, stabling. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Yes. It's wow. a dream for anyone that's a horse lover. Yeah. A must, a must-see if uh-huh. you uh, love horses and you go to Orlando, try and spend the day, go to Ocala and uh-huh. have a look around. It's it, unbelievable. Yeah. It's probably only... An hour and a half at the mm-hmm. most from yeah. Oca- from Orlando to Ocala. It's such a different part of Florida yes. that we've seen. Like, like it's it's hilly. <laughs> yes, and yeah, it's a lot different. Yep. Now I'm not obviously a horse person. Like I think they're lovely creatures. And uh, my grandfather he worked with Clydesdale horses, um, but I still uh, yeah I can appreciate the place. It's it's quite magnificent actually to be yep. honest. Yep. Um, as we said earlier, you have just celebrated. Um, your 60th birthday yep Um, and I'm conscious of my, my words that doesn't sound as though that you're like like nearly like done and stuff <laughs> like really that's quite I need to I should have practiced this in terms of your work where do you in terms of like equation imports where do you see yourself in the business within maybe like five to ten years I don't know if you'll still want to be working when you're 70 but say in five years time what would you Wow. Ideally, or what, yeah, where do you see yourself or where would you like to be in five years' time? I'd like to see that we still um, own Equestrian Imports. I'd like to see... I'd, I'd just like to see the business be able to continue on the track it's going yes. without quite as much of me in the forefront. Uh-huh. I'd like to see either if I can teach 
someone else maybe a little bit more about my job and yeah. maybe put someone have someone that could do more of what I do yes. or maybe even who knows maybe even change our direction slightly wow. yep. that you might not have to have me that the company could still run yes. maybe in a slightly different direction mm-hmm. that that uh, you wouldn't necessarily need me as a fitter in the forefront. Uh-huh. So I would like to see that. I'd like to see that happen. Yes. Not 100% sure how that will work or if it can happen mm-hmm. but yeah I would like I'd, I'd like to see us do maybe more online. I'd like to see us have more of an online presence yes. or an actual selling presence online. I'd uh-huh. like to see that happen. And and I have a few few ideas and a few directions we're going that I think that we can help to make that yes. happen. So yeah, so um, I'd like to see that I'm, I would certainly like to make sure that in the next five years, I certainly don't want to be working 60 hours a week. Uh-huh. Uh, I think if I'm working 30, that will be plenty. Yes. So if I can continue to work 30 hours a week and the rest of my time play golf take bird photography do photographs I would be perfectly happy Happy, that would be amazing yes yeah I don't think you're the person just to sit back and do nothing no I think you've also got plenty of hobbies Mm -hmm. to fill your time plenty (laughs) of hobbies to fill my time and I would also like I'd like to have the time to be able to help William and Laura and and maybe give even more direction or just just be able to be there if they have questions and help them and of course we haven't even spoke about Andrew the Andrew William um, combination you know I'd like to be able to be there to help with that project as well so I don't know if you want to go on to talk a little bit about that yeah we briefly touched on it last week um how the boys own with yourself attachment company which is based in denver colorado and that's going to be a whole another another episode yeah yep yep um because we are nearly at an hour already um and yeah i think there's going to be definitely lots of different episodes based around the attachment company because obviously we're going through sort of rebranding too so then that's a whole another episode and then also their new um attachment brand that they are starting which is very exciting i'm sort of a little bit involved with that um so yeah that's really exciting there so i think yes the podcast that we're starting just now and as we said in the last episode it's all very new and i think there's definitely different tangents and things that we can go on from um so it's all very very exciting yes i think so um so i just have there is um five quick fire round questions just random things i'm going to say two things and you need to choose between one like quite quickly and then we should be done okay okay uh and i'm just random chicken or beef chicken summer or winter Mm, are we talking about florida i was literally just about to say so let's say summer or winter florida oh winter Uh, summer or winter scotland summer (laughs) Uh, beer or juice that's oh i uh probably juice juice uh walking or working out oh my god walking <laughs> <laughs> it's just random things that i know these all yeah you'll like so um so yeah so that's us came to our end of our of our podcast uh thank you very much for coming on as our first guest 
<laughs> You're welcome. Well, thank you so much. And I'm so excited to watch what things bring in the uh, fu- yes. future for you and William yes, and for your for your new podcast. And yeah. I appreciate very much being the first guest. Yeah, no, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks.